Tommy Castor. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Welcome in, everybody. Happy Hump Day edition of Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster with you, joining you one day away from the start of the NFL season. It is almost here, and we are so stinking excited for it. Cannot wait for the NFL season to get going in full swing. We've got college football underway coming up in our next segment. The voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Brian Haney, joins us to look back a bit at Tennessee Tech, but of course look forward to a much bigger test on the road in Morgantown. Uh, lots to get through in the show. We'll have a uh, another Odyssey betting insider to come on and talk a little player propage with us. And you know, i got to ask him, this Kansas City Chiefs line in week one is flying all over the place. And I can't help but wonder if the state of Kansas is partly responsible for that. That, that line, as we welcome in Tommy Castor. Tommy, that line's moved three points since the start of Kansas's betting capabilities. It's all over the place. I, I, I'm not sure really anybody knows what to make of Kansas City, like for sure, coming into this season. Like, I think we know they're going to be good, but the question is, how good are they going to be? And what does that line really look like? I mean, what, what should we expect from them in week one against the Cardinals? And And I'm not sure I have like a like a firm, legitimate answer. Like, I kind of go back and forth on it a little bit. I think that's kind of what the line is doing, too. Well, I liked it at three and a half, which is where I took it, but I, I can't remember one moving three points. We're going to ask uh, today's betting insider if if he thinks maybe all the action coming in from a state of Kansas that's finally getting an opportunity is changing that at all, because I don't know what else would do it. So we'll talk about that. Uh, we're going to lead. You can give Chad Chambers a call, 869-1240, by the way. And this is a topic that we'll sort of introduce and we may get back to, because I would imagine there will be some calls on it. Uh, so we can get back to it later in the show. But we'll set it up in this segment before we get to Ryan Haney. Uh, Brian Haney. Tommy, last night I see this, and and this is a topic that fascinates me. So if you've ever been to a K-State game, you know what happens when they play Sandstorm, right? It's a very um, energetic and some would call inappropriate chant aimed at the rivals down the road in Lawrence. Um, you know, you play the Sandstorm, da 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 and in there it turns into FKU, except it's not the abbreviation on the first part of that. And it's just a part of K-State Athletics. It, you know, from Bill Snyder to everybody else in a suit and tie has tried to get the student section to stop doing it. I think we all know what happens when you tell teenagers to stop doing something. They're going to do it louder and stronger and more energized than ever before, and they don't want to stop. So it's Jerome Tang the latest to get into it. Ask fans on social media to knock it off. Of course, that's not going to happen. Football game, sandstorm, not being played. So the students decide, you know what? Let's give it a run during Wabash Cannonball, everybody's favorite tradition at K-State football. Now we got a little controversy on our hands because according to KSNT up in Topeka, the band is being told, if you hear that while we play Wabash Cannonball, we're cutting it off. 
So now it's like this Old West standoff where, you know, administration's like, all right, fine. You want to do it? We're going to take away Wabash Cannonball. See how you like that. And, of course, the students aren't going to flinch on this. Uh, Where – I, I I wonder where you stand on this chant. I'll tell you where I stand first, because I'll, I'll take probably the unpopular side of this. It doesn't bother me at all. I don't care. I think it's I think it's unique. Is it crass? Yes. Crass doesn't bother me, though. It doesn't offend me. Do I want my little kid to hear it? Probably not. But you know what? You got to have that conversation. Hey, that's where we don't say, you know, I don't know. It doesn't bother me. I think it's fun. I think it accomplishes its goal because it really riles up KU fans from a K-State perspective, which, of course, is why they do it. Yes, it feels like a little brother thing to do. Okay, but they do it anyway. It doesn't bother me, and administration only makes it worse every time they recycle this trying to get it to stop. Bill Snyder couldn't get it to stop. Nobody's going to get it to stop. I can tell you right now that this really doesn't rile up KU fans. Like, I'm going to take the opposite of that. I think that a lot of times KU fans look at that like, okay, they're doing it again, whatever. Um, But I'm going to (laughs) be... I'm going to be old man yelling at the clouds. We talked about that last week and how you and I are kind of like that. Good. I'm glad the administration is taking a stand on this. I'm glad that there is finally having a conversation. Like, look, I I don't have an issue with the chance when they're playing Kansas. Cool. Like you're playing your arch rival. Chant it. Get in their heads. Do whatever. You're playing South Dakota inside Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Who cares? Like, come on, like focus on the team that's on the field that you're playing against right now. You get into Big 12 play, you're going to be facing a handful of Big 12 opponents at home inside Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Find a chant to get into their heads. Don't be focused on Kansas. Same thing with basketball. Your basketball program as of right now, now I think it's going to be better under Jerome Tang long term, but right now it's not very good. So Focus on the opponent at hand. Focus on trying to find a way to get into their heads. Don't be chanting FKU during Sandstorm because all that does is take away from the actual game. Unless you're playing Kansas inside Bramlage or inside Bill Bill Snyder Family Stadium. I just think that it's it's misplaced. I, and Good. I'm glad yeah. that there's something happening from the administration on this. It, maybe it is. I, I, I won't disagree with you on that at all. It, it probably is, and it just, you know, Kansas at that point knows they're living rent-free in K-State's head. I, exactly. I get all that. I, I get all that. But again, it's their prerogative as college students that pay a lot of money to go to school there to have fun at the football game however they want to. I, I also do understand, by the way, and I don't want to, you know, pretend like I'm just fine with everything that ever happens anywhere. I get why administration doesn't like it. I wouldn't like it if I were them anyway. It's called Bill Snyder Family Stadium, right? A lot of families there. Parents don't want their kids hearing that. However, it's the student section, man, and the students have as many rights to do. It's why I don't ever get bothered by storm in the court. Or Students are in college. It's a fun experience. It's once in a lifetime. You have to pay an absurd amount of money to do it. Um, you kind of lay off kids that are trying to have fun. And the other part of these things are, and this is where we go back to old man on a rocking chair yelling from my porch. I try my hardest not to be a hypocrite. And if I were a student at 19 years old at a football game having fun, you better believe I'd be in on the chant. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to I don't want to pretend like this is so outrageous because it's something I totally would have done when I was a student. Now, do I know better now? Of course I do. But you got to learn those lessons. And 
This is what the administration's doing. So that's, you know, the chant in general are thoughts, but now it might interfere with Wabash Cannonball, which right. that's a tradition that's far more important, in my opinion, than this chant during Sandstorm. But the Wabash Cannonball, that's, that's, that's everything, you know? Like, you cannot mess that up. And that's where this gets, this takes a new interesting wrinkle. Because now you really are going to aggravate people. Um, you know, if I, I would, and I want to hear from K-State fans on this, 869-1240. Most K-State fans I talk to have the same thought on this, alumni, and they're like, you're not going to get them to stop. You, might, you know, you just make it worse when you try. But I wonder now if the nonchalance exists if Wabash Cannonball is in jeopardy. And would the administration really go down that road? Because now you're potentially going to aggravate the students and you're going to aggravate all your alumni by taking that away. So I don't think that's the right play. If that's indeed now KSNT sourced banned students, banned, you know, banned members that they were being told this. So take that with a grain of salt. Maybe there's still plenty of room for them to change their mind on that. But that I think would probably be a mistake for administration to go down that road now it's becoming a distraction to everything mm -hmm. yeah th there's a major difference between the wabash cannonball which started being played i think in like the 1960s for kansas state and sandstorm like the, those are two like on completely two different levels as far as tradition and reverence would be concerned for kansas state i like i'm not a kansas state fan but I like the Wabash Cannonball. Like I, it, Who it's, doesn't? It's a, it's it's a like, fun Does song. anybody not like Rock Chalk Jayhawk chant exactly. before a it, game? It, like, yeah, it's for awesome. Sure. I like it. And so even as a non-Kansas State fan, I would be bummed if Wabash Cannonball goes away. Uh, but I can also tell you that speaking from a perspective of Kansas fans, whenever this sort of thing happens, they're playing a, you know, an FCS opponent in South Dakota inside Bill, Bill Snyder Family Stadium and this chant breaks out, I can tell you that like 95% of Kansas fans that know about that are going to say, ah, there they go again. There's Kansas State going again. It's not a, oh, I'm, I'm offended by this, or this is disrespectful. It's just, oh, that's cute. You know, look at what they're doing. And I think that, I mean, considering the fact that this weekend it's going to be Kansas State and Missouri playing against each other, you better believe that that chant is not going anywhere, at least this weekend. Like, they, the, the band <laughs> director can protest all they want. The administration can say everything they want. That chant is going to be doubly loud. Like, that's one thing that Kansas State and Missouri can agree on this weekend. While they're playing in football, they're both going to be ch chanting FKU during that game. There's no doubt about that. Uh, it's it, That was my, my coworker very astutely pointed out last night. He said this isn't going to be the week because – Mizzou yeah. fans will just join join right in, like everyone. This is the will be wrong going week to try to legislate that with, without a yeah, doubt. Yeah, because you'll have you'll have a whole you know even the road fans will be uh, in on that chant. But it, it is it is interesting, and it's an interesting dynamic. Is and I get it, I get it from every angle. I understand why K State fans like it. I understand why K State fans don't like it. I understand why Kansas fans don't like it. Even I think it bothers them more than they'll admit. That's just my opinion. Um, but you know, Kansas, it, it's funny. It reminds me of Texas tech and there aren't a lot of similarities between Kansas state and Texas tech. Texas tech has a, an attitude and a flair to it. That's pretty unique in that, you know, Texas tech doesn't have 
a true rival. You know, they want Texas to be their rival, but Texas is kind of rivals with Oklahoma or before that Texas A&M. Texas A&M has clearly got a, you know, a younger brother syndrome to Texas. Um, you know, TCU and Baylor sort of have each other. Like, Tech doesn't really have anybody. And so they get extra feisty with everybody. And they really, really don't like Texas, especially now with the Chris Beard thing. Kansas State doesn't have a lot of similarities with Tech, but Kansas State really, you know, wanting people to hate them is sort of a Texas Tech similarity. And I was, you know, closer to that growing up, but I see it a little bit. Like, everyone since I've moved here, talks about Kansas-Missouri as a big rivalry, right? Right. Even more so to me than Kansas-Kansas State, Um, which is interesting to me because they're not even rivals anymore, right? Kansas State despises Kansas, I think, more than Kansas despises Kansas State. And so they're going to dig in and twist the knife every opportunity that they get, and this is one of them. And again, I get it, and I'd be right there with those students having fun doing my thing. I think administration and coaches have got to just let it go. Like, guys, it's just a part of it. Like, these these kids are going to do what they want to do. And for people that are career-minded and, and their career is to understand young people, to try to tell these young people not to do this seems like something you would do if you had no idea the way a young person's brain works. Right, especially a young college student, when you're the most emboldened you've ever been in your life. Don't tell them not to do it. They're just going to do it louder. Don't tell them they're going to not. Don't tell them they can't do it during Sandstorm. They'll start doing it during the Wabash Cannonball. Like, how do you not see this coming if you're K-State? Jerome Tang, we love you. You're fighting a losing battle. Bill Snyder couldn't win that battle. It's not going to happen. You guys can do all you want. They'll just start chanting it. They don't need a song to chant it. They'll just start chanting it. Then what are you going to do? You're going to kick the students out of the game? Like, at what point can you just be like, you know what? We're going to have to just let them have this. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think that you're you're correct in the in the assumption that really just by legislating it, it's not going to go away. But I do think that it's important for the administration to at least be on this side of trying to find a way to stop it. Like you've got to, and it might be virtue signaling a little bit. It might be like, Hey, look, we we can't, we, we can't stand by and just let this, you know, continue to go on and say, we're okay with it. Like we actually need to come out. We have no intention that it's even going to change, but we've got to at least raise our hand and say, all right, we're going to try to do what we can to make it stop. Yeah, but don't take away Wabash Cannonball. And now you're going to make everybody mad. Students and alumni. Uh, Rod is on the line. Rod, hang with us. We're going to take a quick break. We got to, get Brian Haney in. We're going to talk Jayhawk football when we return, and then we'll get to the calls on this Kansas State stuff. So stick with us or call us back, Rod. One way or the other, we'll get to you as we come out of this next segment. 869-1240. We're just getting going here on Sports Daily on a Wednesday. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster, voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Brian Haney, joins us next. Brian Haney, join us. Look ahead to the Kansas Jayhawks as they get a big contest against West Virginia. Uh, We open with, and we'll discuss throughout here, because I do think this is something folks might want to chime in on, uh, this 
this chanting at KU or at uh, K State Athletics and the potential to perhaps lose Wabash Cannonball because of it. Uh, got Mizzou coming in. We look at that game, and we'll talk to Tim Fitzgerald tomorrow about the game on the field. On the field, just, you know, snap reaction, Tommy. Eight and a half, I've seen the line. I think I got it at seven and a half, and I already took it because I do like Kansas State in that game. What's your what's your instant reaction on Kansas State from a betting perspective this week? Yeah, after seeing the way that they performed against South Dakota, um, I, I think they're going to cover that. Um, I would take that for sure. I mean, I, I think that you're looking at a 10-point or more victory from Kansas State, maybe a two-touchdown victory. Um, I, I think it'll be a competitive game. Missouri's not yeah, – uh, they're, um, they're not amazing in the SEC by any means, but I, they'll be, I mean, significantly more competitive than South Dakota. But I, I do like Kansas State to cover that spread. Yeah, Missouri actually was, I think, better in their game against Louisiana Tech, I think, who's definitely a, a program with some tradition. Uh, but they were they were better in that game than I think – people thought they would be so you know I kind of I, I, I kind of think Missouri's got a chance to be a little better it, it, they really need to be and all rivalries aside for everybody I do I do hope Missouri does well you know I kind of hope any of the transplants quite frankly do well in the SEC like I've said this before about Texas and Oklahoma and I do feel about Missouri the same way like, I, I want them to, to win. I feel that way about Texas A&M. I grew up, I didn't like Texas A&M at all, but I root for them all the time now in the SEC because it does feel like, you know, it's like our part of the country invading that league a little bit. Even though they're members now, it, it feels sort of like an invasion to me anyway, and I may be the only person that feels this way. I know Kansas fans certainly aren't rooting for Missouri, but I do hope that they have success in that league, and I'll... You know, the sting for me with Texas and Oklahoma and leaving the Big 12, that's all worn off. Like, I don't even care about that anymore now that we're looking like we're going to get a playoff and, and the safety of the Big 12 is secured. I, I'm going to be rooting for Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC, too. I, I think Texas is going to get rolled by Alabama this weekend, but I would love for Texas to win that game. Like, I, that's yeah. <laughs> We're talking about betting. I've already <laughs> taken it. What is it, Alabama minus 20? I think Alabama's yeah. going to crush them. Uh, on the road, in Austin, all of those things, uh, you know, there's plenty of reasons for Saban against his, you know, one of his old assistants to just roll in there and really look to flex a little bit. And I just don't know that Texas is quite ready to hang in a game like that. Yeah, the, there's no reason to think that Alabama won't roll against Texas. I mean, Texas is 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 not back. They're just not. I mean, they might be eventually. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're not, they're not back right now. And really going back quickly to the K state Missouri game, what's going to be intriguing to me is that Missouri last season, their defense was not good at all. And so if they can improve on that defense, they'll be more competitive, but it's going to come down to the, what used to be a weak defense for Missouri against an offense for Kansas state that we really would like to see start to roll a little bit more with Adrian Martinez. All right, we welcome in now the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Brian Haney, who might be rooting for both to lose or some sort of tie between Kansas State and Missouri, I would suspect. Brian, good morning. Welcome in. Sports Daily, glad to have you again this week. Hey, fellas. Great to be on with you. Yeah, hard to know who to cheer for that for that particular matchup. Probably cheer for K-State just because they stayed in the league and Mizzou didn't. But, uh, okay. yeah, that's, that's a tough one. you got the two rivals going toe-to-toe. All right, so Kansas, as we look back to week one briefly, because I think looking ahead to week two is more fun, hard to imagine a better performance if you had to draw it up than we saw out of Kansas in week one. B 
biggest crowd for an opener we've seen in a long time. They absolutely delivered. Not a good opponent. That's fine because they get a good opponent and a good test right out of the gates here. But look back briefly, and and I, I assume everybody there involved is very pleased with what happened against Tennessee Tech. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I mean, it, it was offensively, defensively, and, and even on special teams where they had a blunder or two, there was still a blocked field goal return for a touchdown and, and some other aspects of special teams where they liked. All three phases, you walk away pleased. And, and I think before we talk about highlights and, and individuals that, that stood out, including the reigning Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week, for me, having called now seven season openers uh, with three different head coaches, uh, and this is not meant to, to speak disparagingly at all about previous staffs, because what I'm about to say happens around the country. It's not unique to Kansas. But there have been a lot of years where in a week one football game, you know, you got 10 penalties or you're, you're burning a timeout because you didn't have enough guys on the field or whatever. And, and the lack of, of just having it together by week one, because there's a lot of rust and a lot still coming together. That, that happens to a lot of folks. And it happened to us in Kansas a lot with, timeouts we had to burn because stuff wasn't right where it needed to be or, or just self, uh, you know, shooting yourselves in the foot type stuff. You know what I'm saying? That didn't happen. There was one penalty uh, that was not on the offense or the defense prior to the reserves coming in late in the third quarter. And then whatever penalties we saw in the final box score came when the second and third stringers were in there. And that's not to say they're going to be perfect like that every week, but to me, in week one, to have it look that crisp and and to, you know, use timeouts when you needed to use them and, and, and not because stuff was a little out of sorts, that shows me just how well organized and meticulously put together Lance Leipold's program is right now. And that's usually something you look for in a week one setting. And it doesn't sound sexy. You know, you want to see big stats and big wins and all that. But I'm looking to see – you know, how are we lining up and, and how's it all fitting together? And I'm telling you guys, it was as well-oiled as we'd seen since the Mangino days. And we all know how good that looked. Now, from the stuff you do want to hear talked about, you know, bigger, faster, stronger. I mean, Lonnie Phelps, three sacks. He's, he's your Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week. He not only will, will sack you, but he'll eat your lunch, stand over you, and make you wish you never signed up for football. He, he's got that post-sack swagger and, and energy personality-wise that reminds me of, of Gilbert Brown, who got his nickname the Grave Digger with the Green Bay Packers, former Jayhawk. He's in the Ring of Honor. You remember he'd sack you, and then he'd dig a grave to bury your corpse in <laughs> with, with his post-sack celebration. Neil Smith, Chiefs fans recall, he sacks you, he swings for the fences with the home run sack celebration. It's not quite to that degree, but the, the passion this kid plays with and the fire and the emotion, like, I'll get behind that. I'll stand sign up for that every single week because that's must-see TV. And uh, I loved it, you know. And, and we told you last week on the reports that this kid was just built differently. Like, physically, he's a beast. I mean, the, the biceps, the, 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 the spark score testing, I mean, everything on this kid is elite level. But now you got to see him play with that energy and passion and swagger. It's just fun to watch. And so that's the type of athlete we didn't have here a year ago. And there's several of those at, at different spots. It looks different than Lonnie. He's definitely a, a standalone guy uh, when you put it all together. But my point is, if you go to different position groups, there's additions akin to him 
that look different, do it a little bit different, and clearly make Kansas a much better team in 2022. And so to get to see all those added up and, and what it looks like together was exciting. Yes, it gets a whole lot tougher from here. Now you take on a program that's 15th in all-time wins amongst FBS schools and a program that had number 17 pit on the ropes uh, you know, prior to a late pick six. And so we know what we're up against. We love RJD. Jalen Daniels, they've got JT Daniels, who's been at USC in Georgia, big-time five-star recruit formerly at the position. They've got a lot to throw at you. But, but our Jayhawks will head up there with confidence and momentum and, and feel like they've got a great opportunity to prove something, and we can't wait for that on Saturday night. Hey, Brian, I was really interested in the way that Lance Leipold uh, distributed the ball out with the running backs in week one against Tennessee Tech. Obviously, Devin Neal you know, had four carries, 108 yards, two touchdowns, averaged 27 yards a carry, but he wasn't the only one. Savion Morrison had a great game. Daniel Hyshaw got some touches. Kai Thomas. There was really, it almost kind of looked like the offense, they, they were trying to figure out who, really what these guys could do as a whole as a running back room. How do you see the touches be distributed out as we get into Big 12 play? Your first bold prediction of the year. It's going to be hard for Devin Neal to maintain that yards per carry average. Yeah. Uh, but I also mm-hmm. hope that, that his carries per game triple because it's not going to be a situation where he only gets four carries going forward. It's not ever going to be a situation where he's a bell cow either because unless injuries hit this team in a major way, they still want to spread it around. But that was an extreme low end on the carry total, an extreme high end on the yards per rush offset obviously by the the 80 yard touchdown run that he had that skewed that but the point is you know they were up so big they really wanted to spread it around even more and and Kai Thomas ironically to get set to play a, a team that he torched in the bowl game a year ago West Virginia when he was playing with Minnesota he was the one guy that didn't really get it going and and they went back to him late in the fourth when all the other reserves were in there just to have him you know finish on a high note and and he is I think close to as talented as Devin Neal they were both at one time the Kansas State player of the year in, in, in different years Ty Thomas at Topeka High School Devin Neal at Lawrence High School I, I think that you're going to see him play a prominent role he just didn't have a great opening night um, and and so the fact that he was in there you know with with the twos late showed you hey we want to like, have something good happen for him Sevian Morrison had a touchdown run he also put it on the carpet you, know, you can't do that, especially when you've got four other guys in the running back room, including Tory Lachlan and Daniel Highshot, that, that all you know, are worthy of carries. And so uh, it will not be going forward, Tommy, a situation where you have quite that much balance because they will lean on the hot hand more and, and go for continuity a little bit more. But there's something to be said for keeping the legs fresh and keeping the dynamic options coming. And as I told you last week, they all do something a little bit different. And I think Andy Kotelnicki, as the offensive coordinator, kind of that mad scientist in the lab right now, he's, he's coming up with, you know, with all kinds of cool schemes and ways to, to mix and match all these different parts and, and take what they bring to the table that's unique about them and utilize it in a way that makes us even tougher to defend. I mean, we, we saw some triangle and diamond formations the other night where you had three backs on the field around the quarterback, Daniels, who could also keep the ball if he wanted to and run with it. And if you're the defense, you're thinking, what in the heck is this? Where is the ball going? 
is it this guy, A, B, C, or, or is it D, the quarterback that's going to keep it? Um, and used misdirection, used a lot of things to keep the defense guessing. And I thought that was really exciting to see as well. So uh, to your point, you know, it won't look like it did going forward quite to that degree, but there'll still be a lot of mixing and matching. Um, but I, I think eventually we'll start to see the cream rise to the top. And you have two guys doing the heaviest of lifting, but you'll mix in the other guys, you know, in, in, in key windows where they really want to shake it up. Brian Haney, voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, joining us as we get ready for a big-time early season litmus test for Kansas, who looked as impressive as they could in the opener. We always know Morgantown is a tough place to go. I think most of us were um, impressed with West Virginia's performance against Pittsburgh. When I look at this defense, Brian, which was clearly a problem last year, but five sacks in the opener, I don't care who you're playing, that's a good number. Is this defense, do you feel like at its best, an opportunistic style defense? Sacks, turnovers, those kinds of things, the bend but don't break? Or can it be even more than that? What would your early evaluations tell you about the potential of this defense? I would say it's just too soon to know for sure. Um, You know, we got to see, as you said, the litmus test, the Big 12 conference caliber opponents. And Houston the following week will be that because they're going to be in the Big 12 next year and they're obviously a top 25 team now. But these next two weeks, we'll find out just just what this defense is. But clearly, uh, we've got better athletes than we had a year ago and we've got more of them than we had a year ago. And that, to me, is, is the key piece. You know, when you can bring a guy like Eric Gilliard over from UCF, uh, who, who won a bowl game last year over Florida and is an outstanding program down in Orlando, also coming into the Big 12, by the way. When when you can bring him in, and, and he's not starting yet uh, because, you know, you, you've got Taiwan Berryhill, who's gotten better, and Craig Young, who's coming in from Ohio State. It, it just shows you how much deeper we are. And there's other guys that are immediate starts, like Young and, and you know, the aforementioned sack master that we talked about, Lonnie Phelps. And there's a couple of the secondary that, that are playing starter-type snaps. But what we're finding is that, that these guys are pushing each other on a daily basis. And, and as Coach likes to say, competition is the best coach. And, and they're all pushing each other. What it adds up to in terms of opportunistic defense or lockdown defense or steel curtain defense, I don't know. Because Tennessee Tech was not as good as some of the lower-level teams that we've opened with in previous seasons where we played out, you know, a true FCS contender uh, this was not as good of a team. And that's not to take anything away from what Kansas did because I think Kansas being that much better is a bigger story than you know your FCS opponent being a little bit less. Uh, but to me, I, I don't have a great answer for you yet until we truly see what it looks like when they have to go up against size and speed on the edge. H- how do our secondary players deal with that? How does Lonnie Phelps look in trying to get around a Big 12 left tackle as opposed to an Ohio Valley Conference left tackle? What I do know is, you know, we have better athletes and more of them, and so we should be able to handle the attrition of the college football season, and we should be able to keep guys fresher, deeper into games. And that was a great takeaway to watch the way they shuffled bodies on the defensive line and how many guys they could bring at you coming in in waves there that that I think is going to keep us more potent defensively with the pass rush deeper into games because we're a lot more deep at that particular spot. So 
that those are observations. But, you know, if I sat here and tried to tell you that it's going to add up to X, Y, or Z, when we're about to see the caliber of competition change dramatically, it might be a little premature and, and, and maybe a little bit misguided. But we're definitely excited to see. And I know there's a lot of belief in, in that locker room that it will translate as the major conference opponents start up now. But, uh, I mean, West Virginia has some different kind of dudes. Like I said, their quarterback was a five-star coming out of high school. So is this a different kind of game we're about to walk into? Speaking of that game, Brian, 5 o'clock kickoff in Morgantown. I think that there's a couple of different thoughts that you can have against West Virginia after watching their their opening week game against Pitt, you know, the high emotion backyard brawl. I think on the one hand, th- there are some opportunities there. We saw some mental mistakes from Neil Brown's crew in that opening week one game that uh, that ultimately cost them the game against Pitt. But then on the other hand, you can also look at, hey, they're probably pretty angry and they want to they want to get right after that week one loss uh, against Pitt where they felt like they they had that game won. When it comes to the the competition with West Virginia, what do you what do you expect, and what does Kansas have to do to keep the game close, to be competitive, uh, and to try to compete for a victory? Well, great question, and, and to your point about will they be more dialed in? Absolutely. You know, David Lawrence, who's done this now for forty years, my my color analyst, broadcast partner, he was telling me on Thursday night, he's like cheer for West Virginia. And I'm like, I don't want them to have too much swagger if they, they knock off, you know, pit at pit. And he's like, no, no. He's like, they still have to play Virginia tech in a couple of weeks after us. We're sandwiched, you know, right in the middle. And, and if they win this game, they'll be high and mighty. And, and we might have a little bit of a look ahead factor. I know that sounds cliche. And, and we talk about these things as broadcasters and you never truly know how dialed in a club is. But I think in this case, he was absolutely right. Because when you lose in that fashion, and you still have a really tough non-con game coming up later in the month, um, they're going to be so dialed in and chomping at the bit. We are going to get their best shot. And they're going to hear all week from Neil Brown, who's been saying it uh, starting on, on Saturday, that Kansas is one of the most improved clubs in the country, and he's going to have their attention. Okay, that, that's the point. But in terms of what they bring, you know, I'm excited to see several things. Obviously, we talk about JT Daniels, but uh, – I'm excited to see C.J. Donaldson. This is a kid they list as a tight end. He's out of Miami, Florida. He's a freshman, 6'2", 240. And their tight end led them in rushing with, uh, I don't know if you saw his stats, seven carries, 125 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Yes, he, he will line up and catch passes out of the backfield too, but this is a... Swiss Army knife of an athlete that, that can do a lot of things. And I think it caught some folks off guard how they wound up using him. But uh, he comes in as a, as a freshman recruit, but then they added a lot of transfer pieces on their defense. Very similar to us. I mean, they've got five really impactful new faces on that side of the ball that make them a very different club than what we saw in week 12 a year ago. And so even though you, know, you could say that we've only played – two teams in our last three games going back to the end of last season putting Tennessee Tech in there and now a rematch with West Virginia this is a very different West Virginia team just as it is a very different Kansas team and so there's not a whole lot you can garner the fact that we played them at the end of last season and the start of this year I think they're I think they're personnel wise uh, a lot more impressive and this was a club that went to a bowl game a year ago taking on Minnesota they've gone to bowl games in two of Neil Brown's three seasons this is his fourth year and it may not seem like he's doing huge things there 
former Troy head coach, and he was an actual Big 12 offensive coordinator at Texas Tech before that. But, you know, steadily he's gotten them into that 6-7 win category twice in his first three seasons. And really, guys, this is the model for what we want to be. You know, I, I think there's realistic expectations that at Kansas, you know, if you just get to a bowl on, on a regular basis, uh, you know, you, you'll be extended as a head coach and you'll be celebrated as, as great teams and all that. He has built something that I think for folks in Morgantown, they're not completely satisfied with yet. But quite frankly, I, I think we'd be happy to, to move into that territory. And so in climbing up the Big 12 ladder and trying to prove that, that one day we can get back to the bowl season, maybe as soon as this year, maybe it's next year, who knows? This is the type of program we're trying to emulate, but also move past and leapfrog. And it, it stinks to have to take on that tall order in week two on the road and the furthest game we'll travel in all year. But our guys are fired up for the challenge. And I think they recognize that even though the personnel is different on both sides, the gap has been closed. And we, we feel we've come a little bit farther than they have in the last you know seven months just based on where we were at then and where we sit today. Now's the chance to go out and prove that. And, uh, again, you know, not supposed to talk point spreads and stuff like that as I work internally at KU, even though it's now legal in Kansas, by the way. But, but you'll notice that that number has shrunk fast since it came out at the start of the week. And I think, I think there's a perception out there. I only use this as a point of reference to say the gap is narrowing, talent-wise, coaching-wise, all of that. There's a perception both from the folks in the know and the general public you know, the Kansas is on the make a little bit here. And, and that's an exciting place to be because for 12 years we were very much the opposite. So let's go out there and back it up. Whether it's a win on Saturday night or not, let's be competitive all four quarters. Let's put a scare into these guys. And maybe, just maybe, we get our first ever win at Milan Pushkar Stadium. Uh, it's been a tough venue for us you know, over the years, 0-6 there. But let's see if we can, we can shock them on, uh, on Saturday night. 13 and a half is where that number is. We'll talk about it for you, Brian. And it has come down uh, a few points since it opened. So uh, I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to look into that a little later in the show as we take that direction. But you can hear the game. Brian will have the call. 5 o'clock pregame begins before that on KFH. He'll get you all prepared leading right up to kickoff. So make sure you tune in. Brian, we appreciate you joining us each and every week and the people that make it available to us. Yeah, thanks so much, folks. It's always great to be on with you. Big thanks to my friends at the Mattress Hub as well. I told you last week I put my money where my mouth was and actually bought a mattress from these guys. I got the purple mattress. I know in rivalry week, you know, the Kansas guy is supposed to be talking about purple, uh, as you were referencing K-State and Mizzou earlier. But I'm telling you, this has changed so much about my night's sleep and how body, my body feels refreshed and, and ready to go the next day. No more lower back pain. No more discomfort throughout the night. It's, it's a new technology for the coolest night's sleep temperature-wise you'll ever have, but also as a side sleeper, great back support uh, that doesn't leave me stiff and sore as the guy in his young 40s that still plays sports more than I should. I wake up re-energized and refreshed. So check him out today at the Mattress Hub and TheMattressHub.com. They've got Tempur-Pedic, Sealy, all the top brands. But I'm digging the purple mattress, and, and it's worth checking out if you guys want to go uh, you know, change your complete night's sleep at the Mattress Hub. Thanks, guys. Have a wonderful week, and uh, let's, let's talk about maybe making some headlines when I come on next week, whether it's this week or next. I think the Hawks have a great chance to get one of these next two, and, and a lot of folks wouldn't have thought that was even possible you know, a few months ago. So let's go have some fun and, and have a lot to talk about these next couple of weeks. 
Thank you, Brian. We'll have Brian back this same time next week to look back and look ahead. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. Tommy, and I'll tell you what, you think, what we think about that 13-and-a-half point line. It's an interesting one, and it has moved. We'll do that as Sports Daily returns. Before we go to break, though, we want to give away uh, some tickets. We've got a pair of giveaways today. We'll start with the NHL today, coming to town on September 24th at Interest Bank Arena. Arizona Coyotes, St. Louis Blues, your chance to win a pair of tickets as Wichita hosts one of four games, first games of the NHL preseason. We'll do that for the second caller, 869-1240. Jad will hook you up. NHL Hockey in Wichita. We'll be right back with more Sports Daily after this. A little short segment here before we get into hour number two. Jake Ballbrock, Tommy Caster uh, with you. Congratulations to Jeremy and Wichita for winning those uh, NHL tickets. We've got some hoops for literacy tickets to give away in the second hour. Uh, let's let's look at the line here because it has been an interesting one, Tommy. You've got 13 and a half is, is you know, kind of where it's floated around at. 60 on the over-under um, and I'll pull up the BetMGM odds to get the specific of what BetMGM has it at at this point. But this is an interesting one. I, I'm still not real comfortable with any of it. Um, yeah, I, I've still got – well, the, the over-under at BetMGM is down to 59.5, but 13.5 is the spread. West Virginia, of course, favored. That's on uh, BetMGM right now. I don't think I like any part of this. Um, just not comfortable with it yet for a lot of the reasons we just talked about. We just don't know. It was Tennessee Tech. What about you? The only thing I would take in this game is maybe a little bit of money on Kansas on the straight-up money line. Um, the, the odds are pretty yeah. good there for them to just win. I don't mind that. Um, but I like this line a lot. Kansas you know, only lost by six at home last year to West Virginia. Morgantown's a tougher place to play. I think that 13-and-a-half line is solid. Um, I'm going to stay away from the actual spread, but I might put some money on Kansas on the money line. Yeah, that's not a, that's not a bad idea. Not a, not a bad way to play it. I have a little fun with it that way. Just root for the win. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. Hour number two, we'll reintroduce Kansas State maybe pulling Wabash Cannonball because of the uh, profanity-laced chant that the students love so much there in Manhattan. We'll get your thoughts on that. We'll open that back up for discussion 869-1240. Uh, we'll also look at the Chicago Bears potentially making a stadium decision and should we be paying attention to it as it pertains to the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot coming up in the second hour, including another betting segment. We'll look at some player props with our Odyssey betting insiders to maybe look ahead to as we open the NFL season. College football, any lines we can take, we'll take a look at those. It's all coming up. Hour number two, Sports Daily on a Wednesday. <laughs> 